welcome to I'll Marry You, a podcast with me, Olivia Coleman, full of tips and tricks from the UK wedding scene, interviews with industry experts, and a whole lot of oversharing. Hello, hello, hello. I'm pretending to be Liv. It's producer Drew. Hi. Olivia has been very, very honoured to have been nominated and attending a National Wedding Awards ceremony. Ooh, but a combination of that and various other things means that she hasn't been able to record the intro for her bumper-length interview with Annalise Seeley, The Full Bride, which you've got the first part of to listen to today. So I'm just filling in to say Liv will be back, gracing your ears with an intro and the RSVP section for next week's episode when you will get part two of this fantastic recording. But for now, please enjoy Liv chatting to Annalise. And as Liv always says, shall we begin? Annalisa Seeley from The Full Bride. Hello. Are you the full bride? I hope so. <laughs> Done something wrong if I'm not, right? Is it your show? Is it your scenario? Is and it the, your ship? Are you the captain? Sent my ship, yeah. Started and continue to run the business on my own, although now I have a lovely, lovely team of um, stylists that help with all of our appointments. That's amazing. So I want to start from the beginning because I, you're, I'm very excited because you're the first wedding dress boutique mm. person <laughs> guru put them all on just fyi yeah well there's no point in having anyone else um so you've so you own the full the full boutique the full store the full the full package full bride, yeah. the full bride that's it uh and you are in london mm-hmm. whereabouts we're in dalston in east london okay i don't know london i'm a country girl but i understand east yeah east as in yeah we're kind of cool over here. Is it cool over there? Kind of cool. It's, yeah. Or we think we're cool. Or everyone here thinks they're cool. Mm. Is it very woke? Um, it's definitely, Or is it edgy? It's edgy, yeah. Mm. But it's edgy like the whole area has been gentrified and you'll pay four pounds for a coffee. Oh. But also like everyone's a bit of an artist. You know? Yes. And it's full of creatives. Creatives that have inherited uh, mummy and daddy's mummy. Oh, I like that. <laughs> oh, I'm going to come to East London. So, yeah, it's, I think it's what, Dalson is now what Shoreditch used to be. So the whole city is just, London just keeps growing. It is expanded. Mm. Shoreditch now has like loads of chains, loads of chain stores. Like, oh, okay. It was random. I went in there recently and I don't think I've felt so old. It's going to make you feel so old. I literally don't even understand. <sighs> I'm, I'm... Who wears that? None of it. It's very confusing to me. And also I used to exclusively shop there when I was a teenager. So I'm, I'm like, <laughs> was this me? I don't know. I like the way you say that, like you had a deal with them. I'll exclusively shop with Urban Outfitters. <laughs> right, Outfitters. You're a teenage influencer. Are you from London? Um, you, I've lived here for 15 years and I guess I was technically born here, but yeah, I, I wasn't raised in the UK and I've had a very international upbringing. So yeah, my, my oh, wow. where did you grow up? Mostly in the States, um, in Texas. Stop. So random, isn't it? <laughs> so random. 
I sort the bridal stuff. What, why were you in Texas? And do you know Matthew McConaughey? Oh my God, I love Matthew McConaughey. Oh. He is basically like the ambassador for Texas. He's probably the only good thing about Texas, actually. But like when you're there, he is pretty much on every single advert for anything. <laughs> it's it's great. And obviously his voice sounds so sexy. So yeah, it's fantastic. So why were you there? Um, so my dad's job made my family move around the world. Um, he was in the oil and gas industry and yeah, I mean, we moved a lot, but it was just mainly in the States when I was in my formative years. Um, <laughs> and then we, and you came back to London 15 years ago. I came back to London to go to university and accidentally haven't left. Mm. What did you study at uni? I, oh, this is an interesting one. So I think I've dropped out of more universities than anyone I know. I've, I've, oh, good. Yeah. Um, mm. I definitely came from parents who are of a generation where you have to go to university. Yeah. Because I think their generation was kind of like the first generation to be like, everyone's allowed to go to university. Um, so you had to take that opportunity. opportunity. And so, yeah, my parents were very, very, always very keen on us um, extending our education and always very adamant that we had to go to university. And I just think it's impossible to know what you want to do when you're 17. Mm. Um, And you end up picking a subject that you like at school. So yeah, classic. Oh yeah. So, well, so first I was like, I always wanted to be a fashion designer when I was a teenager and I went to a really academic school and they were like, we can't help you. And my parents were like, that's a terrible idea. Go and be like a doctor or a lawyer or something. And I was like, that sounds terrible. Um, so I went to St. Martin's to do an art foundation. Oh, but, you fancy. But I also applied for a like a deferred year at um, UCL to do modern languages, which in hindsight, like, you know, and you're just like, what was I thinking? Yeah, I just yeah. subject because I was like, my parents were like, you can go to art university, but you have to have a sensible backup. And I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> okay, okay, friend. Uh, but I'm going to make it as a pop star, so I yeah, really yeah, don't I think I need. I'm going to be a massive fashion designer. Got yeah. to Martins, realized that I can't design. So at least I figured that um. out. The, the lead student in my year was braiding clothes out of human hair that he'd collected from hairdressers just lying on the floor stop I was yourself like, it's so serious oh my god that actually made me feel quite ill I don't think it was even washed before he collected it but anyway that's oh, very short it's very short hair I know going off piece but he was gluing the ends together he was like weaving these no. like out of human hair and I was like do you know what if this is what succeeds here yeah it's not my it's, bag this is not I wonder bag. where he is now I'm guessing in prison wouldn't you say? Oh, I haven't heard anything about him since. So mm. yes, I think he's. I, I think, think human hair clothes don't sell. Who knew? No, um, because of I'm... course, surely human hair clothes is just a naked body. No, just... I mean that's a real head scratcher. Do you think about that? Well, <laughs> if you're going to make a top out of human hair, why wouldn't you just not shave for a month? Why bother? Yeah, why bother? Actually, it's such a good point. I know. Um, very wise so you decided you didn't want to hang out with old human hair harry yeah so i had to go and take up my my backup place and then hated it dropped out um went to london college of fashion to do a Mm -hmm. fashion business management degree which which i actually enjoyed but then i kept studying and i did a master's and then i started a phd and dropped out of my phd so yeah just like loads of 
What was your PhD in? um, Consumer behavior. Oh. Specifically for luxury consumption. But yeah, I I think I just kept going because I didn't actually know what Mm. my direction was. I didn't. Mm. All, all the jobs on the market just didn't seem that appealing to me and I just didn't really know what I wanted to do at all. Um, but I ended up going and working in the fashion industry in the UK at the start, kind of in the wholesale and buying teams and then I specialised in marketing. So I worked in digital marketing for fashion brands for like eight years. Oh, wow. In London? In London, yeah. Um, and it was at one of... I was at my last job before I started this that I got the idea basically because some colleagues that were sitting next to me um were engaged and they were looking obviously all we cared about was the dress <laughs> I, was like, what you gonna wear? I was like I don't care about anything else about your wedding no. but what are you going to wear and yeah and they said, I don't know, because there's a real gap in the market. Yeah. Um. Well, they were just showing me these stores and they were show- They were like seriously looking at these stores. And I was like, you know what? I would never, This none of this is my personal taste. Um, mm. It's all what, what you think of when you think of like traditional bridal. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense to me. I think it was 2018 at the time. And I was, I was like, but where's the store for people that wear like Cos and Arquette during the week? <laughs> yes basically the structured bride yeah, well, uh, I don't get it like there's nothing available apart from boho or princess uh, ball gowns yeah mm. and I was like surely surely there's something else I knew I couldn't design anything myself because we've already discovered that I can't yes, design but you're a terrible fashion designer or I could do like human hair wedding dresses but I don't know if they'd sell oh well, they'd be white, and you know, people die when they have white hair. No, not like not technically related, but they get old and they die. You know, let's not talk about death. Um, so you can't design. So you had this idea, and then I mean, how? Where do you even begin? Well, exactly. Where do you begin? And it was an idea that I formulated and researched for a year and a half before anything actually wow. happened. Um, because did you go to other bridal stores in the UK? Did you travel around Europe? Did you do any of that? But in a bridal store before I opened. No, kind of terrible market research. You should have stuck it out at university, babe. <laughs> but I, did, I, I, there wasn't any point. I wasn't trying to create anything like what they were creating, mm. and I knew that I already had the skills. You know, I, I worked in retail and fashion. For, yeah almost a decade so I was like the buying and like wholesale and creating a brand and the digital marketing so you knew how the background stuff worked already yeah all of the business side of it I could run and I was like the real problem that I need to solve is the product um in true millennial style I just ended up in an Instagram hole oh yeah (laughs) are there any designers that exist that are making things that I would want to wear if I was getting married and that was it basically I ended up finding a couple of designers realizing that they had no um distributors in the UK and that was pretty much yeah why did you call it the full bride because I realized that a lot of bridal stores um have super feminine names really feminine Mm. And when I thought about like brands that I resonated with or shopped at myself or brands that I liked that went in a related sector or everything was very ambiguous. And mm-hmm. I also didn't want it to feel 
because we don't do like hyper feminine lacy gowns, I didn't want it to feel alienating to our target customer. Mm. Um, so I just started thinking about it. Was like, it was like naming a band, very challenging. Very challenging. Never very- have a child because to name a child is, it's like, it's really hard. And you come up with so many ideas and then you have drinks with the girls and you're like, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And it's really hard. Yeah. And then they'll be like, no, I know an arsehole once called Stephen. Mm. Can't call him mm. Stephen. So, yeah, I started thinking about um, words associated with weddings and love and falling in love. Uh I just took a part of it. I did. I was lying in bed thinking of you this morning and (laughs) I did think I was thinking about the name and I was thinking, I wonder where she came up with it. And then I I did. I did get to falling in love. Yeah. Or I just thought maybe you loved autumn. Yes, exactly. We get tagged in a lot of like uh american autumn weddings <laughs> i do love an autumn wedding though <gasps> i think they're underrated everyone goes for summer i'm like go for the side seasons you know i i, I couldn't get married in summer. when we had this heat wave the other week I, it was horrible and i i thought i would i would ruin my day i'm so sweaty like naturally and if it's just it's just not pleasant when it's that uh, hot i've been to several weddings this summer where we're just everyone's yeah Sweating. That's horrible. So when did you actually open the doors of the full bride? The second week of January 2020. Stop. <laughs> Six weeks before no! we get into lockdown. Shit. Um, yeah, that was, yeah. What did you do? I basically... <laughs> did exactly what therapists tell you not to do and I just compartmentalized all of my stress and just ignored the problem for two years Mm. it was so the reason we survived because most businesses that small and new and without any cash reserves at that point because you've literally just put everything into opening yeah would have collapsed during the pandemic um and the only reason um that we got through it is because because I had basically tried to create what I would want if I was a customer discovering bridal shopping for the first time not knowing that some things take six to 12 months to be made uh we had ready to wear I had brought in a designer from the states that um no one else was carrying and I had stock and every time there was five to six people weddings ready to wear, ready to wear, ready to wear. Yeah. Only the ready to wear that kept us going. Because they weren't obviously planning to get married then or they weren't. Because yeah. every time the lockdown was lifted, they'd be like, crap, let's get married now. Like mm. let's get our immediate family together or our friends or whatever it is. Um, mm. I need a dress to wear. So ready to wear, and I'm going to talk to you like I'm an idiot, which isn't a Fast stretch. Ready to wear is like you would in a normal shop. You just take it off the rack and take it home that day. Exactly. Yeah. It's actually um, because everyone's doing it for the first time and because like a lot of the terminology you don't really come across in like day to day shopping. So yeah, ready mm. to wear is basically off the rack styles that, you know, you, you could find in a store and take home. And then most of the bridal market and most of the rest of our collections are made to order. So they get made for you, but they're not made to measure. Made to measure is when it's made exactly to your measurements. But to do that, you actually really ideally need to be able to see the designer and the designer's team directly all the way up to your fitting. 
sorry, all the way up to your wedding, because it's so normal to fluctuate, you know, like six to 12 months down the line, it's mm. super normal to like fluctuate measurements slightly or, you know, whatever. Some people lose a little bit of weight because of stress. Then, yeah, you need the dress adjusted. So if it's being made to measure exactly, then you need to see the designer directly. So what most bridal stores do is made to order. So we order in your closest standard size and then mm-hmm. just do the, the tailoring in like the month or two before your wedding. I was going to say, because if you if you only do made to measure yourself, then you're limiting yourself to where those designers are, I suppose, geographically, aren't you? Exactly. So most of the is ready, hang on, is <laughs> made to order. Order, yeah. What sizes, generally speaking, do you carry? Um, so it depends a little bit on the style. Most of our samples are a 10 to 14. And then what we're working on at the moment is expanding our curve range. So we're starting to carry samples in like a 20 to 22. Mm-hmm. Because I I met a bride recently. I, I Do you know what? Don't, this is another thing about size in the fashion industry. Don't get me started. But she, I would have thought, looking at her, I would have thought she was a 14 or a size 16. And she, I think she said she was an 18 to a 20. But she, so she had to go to plus size curve dress shops for Mm -hmm. her wedding dress and she found it really hard to find really nice ones and modern ones as well yeah and I think wedding dress shopping in itself is is quite challenging because the sample no matter what size you are the samples never fit you ever no like, and that isn't that ridiculous the notion that you're you know you're going to try on something that doesn't fit you insane, right and then probably give us pounds yeah and we promise we'll make it the most your... expensive dress you'll ever buy yeah but you can't try it on properly yeah it's actually kind of a wild concept so yeah I mean a lot of a lot of the, the customer experience is basically helping them imagine how it's going to fit and yeah. and educate educating them on how it will fit in their true size and once it's tailored and making sure that we have that trust but with the customers they they trust us with their wedding gown to take mm. and, and produce their gown for them and it's a very common statement and feeling when our brides come to pick up their dresses they're like oh thank god I still like it you know it's been like six yes months. You, you haven't even tried it on in your correct size when you purchased it and then they're like oh yeah thank god have you ever had a bride come in and go, shit, I hate it? Um, it's only happened like once or twice. Um, but what we have, which helps us in this situation for sure, is we have a resale service. So if someone is like, I hate my dress, well, like, okay, we start thinking of solutions like what else is there that can mm. be ready, that we can get ready in time. Um, they also probably start shopping, you know, somewhere like, I don't know, net porter or something ready to wear um but we also say look it's not 100 end of the world it very stressful situation of course but we can help you sell your dress on to another bride so a a lot Um, of our brides bring their dresses back after they've worn it but we also have some new ones coming into our recycle program and and we just sell them on to new brides yeah, I want to circle back to that recycle program because I was looking at that up on your website and I find that really interesting. Um, so generally speaking, with the ready to 
Hang on. <laughs> what? what? My mind goes ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. With the made to order, how long would you recommend leaving between your first or, or saying yes, saying yes to the dress? Hashtag yes to the dress. And then your wedding day. What's the recommended time? Minimum six months and that is like the absolute minimum at that point there are some options that already aren't available to you or you're having to pay more money to get a rush dress made but I would say the sweet spot is ordering seven to nine months out from your wedding so right so people start shopping nine to twelve months out from their wedding because Mm. you've got to like coordinate everyone's schedules you know get your get your bridesmaid or your mum or whoever you want to come with you to your appointment and then you've got a book and at the moment you can't get an appointment with us until like the end of October I think so then you've got to like depending on mm. like stores availability you've got to book that in and then you probably want to come back for a second fitting or visit some other stores as well so yeah it takes a bit of time to go through the shopping process. But to be fair this is something that I say to my brides even my brides who say to me I'm going to get off the rack I'm going to go online or whatever I always say to them okay if that's what you want to do fine but you you should go and experience going to a shop and trying on a dress and you should people should do the experience with their core team because even if you're like oh no for sure I'm gonna order this I don't know really chill little dress from online somewhere you, you don't get the same experience with your family and friends, you know, it's going to arrive to your house. You're going to maybe try it on in your bedroom. While mm. you're and just don't come in. <laughs> or like in the bathroom. <laughs> oh, with, with piss poor lighting. Yeah. And it's like, no, you should definitely always have the experience. And so many times brides are surprised by things that they learn and discover in their fitting appointments. So I think it's a valuable experience regardless of, you know, so this, so that's God. I've got so many questions to ask you. Um, so I'm thinking I'm going back into what's in my head, which is a scary place. Um, in terms of when you say people generally start shopping sort of nine to twelve months before, do you have? Because obviously, I went shopping recently just on the high street, and um, it's now what are we mid September, and every all the autumn winter stuff has come in. Do you have seasons in the way that the high street has seasons? Not really. Um, no. So bridal is basically like a very, very, very slow down version of the fashion world, which is partly why I knew that I could do this. And also because I actually got to the point in my fashion career where I was like just quite jaded with the amount of overproduction. Yeah. Um, and bridal as a general rule is majority of the time is very ethically produced and that's one thing that's very important when I'm selecting designers for our store is that they are produced in-house in a controlled and fair wage environment. Mm. Um, and I've totally forgotten your question. That's absolutely outrageous. You're incredibly unprofessional. I could, I could feel it. I could, I could see it in your eyes. I thought she's forgotten what I've said. Going off on a tangent. She's off. <laughs> No, I was going to about the seasons. I just mean like, I, I know that with, with dresses, yeah. you can have like, if you're get, if you're a winter wedding and you're trying on dresses in May. Yeah. Like, so, how does that work? Yeah. So in terms of like bridal collection seasons, they only really produce one collection a year for our designers anyway. Some produce two. Some of the really, really, really big, more mainstream bridal designers might produce more than that. But I would say that's quite unusual. 
um, but also mm. within the collections are seasonless. So, you know, there will be sleeved options, there will be summer options, you know, strappy yeah. options. Um, and because people are shopping all the year, all the year round, um, yeah, everything kind of, there needs to be options for all types of weddings available at all times. Do you think that's one of the reasons why it's it's quite trendy to have like things that can detach Definitely. like you've got the yeah. detachable sleeves and the capes and the tops and all that stuff yeah absolutely part of that is a fabric trend at the moment like people are really liking sheer overlays and like mm. part of that is also um a kind of styling trend after the pandemic where weddings have gone back to being bigger and people taking advantage of that celebration they want multiple looks you know maybe they want they want yes. the ceremony look and the party look and maybe they're doing something the day before and maybe they're doing something the day after so people buy so many dresses these days yeah when so I bought mine one that you build and change up yeah when I bought mine I was told if I mean I didn't pay for it and the person who did um said to me if you're wearing that for the entire day because of how much it costs in fact you can wear that for the rest of time like there was no argument die in this wedding dress because it's yeah. so so. there's no argument there was just and now people change all the bloody they just like yeah. between each course big thing now is to have multiple looks um at least two I do regret that you know I feel like I I could have done with something a little jazzier you know right yeah people people go for the ceremony dress and then they go really fun on the party dress you know short sparkly giant bow whatever it is but yeah sometimes with the ceremony dress there are other other people's opinions that the bride is considering you know maybe whoever's paying for it nan or mom mm. dad or they worry about is if it's in a church one, yeah is it church do i need to cover my shoulders that kind of thing and then with the party dress they can really wear what they want do you know that's interesting when i started trying on dresses myself my I always had a vision of a strapless dress and my mum suddenly at the time had an opinion that she had to share with me because that happens when yeah, you're engaged and it was the oh no I don't think you, I think you should have sleeves yeah and I was like what too slutty Can't yeah have. I was like what on earth are you talking about my collarbone is fantastic <laughs> she was like no I think you should have Sorry. sleeves and we got in an argument we got in an argument about it I was like no I'm not having sleeves do you know what six years later I wish I fucking had sleeves really yeah but that's always the thing when people worry about whether they're going to look back and not have chosen that dress. I'm like, but your personal style changes over time anyway. Mm. You should wear what you love and feel great in at the time because um, when I'm 50, I'm probably not going to choose the same thing that I would have worn at 30, you know? I don't know. You're very stylish. You could timeless <laughs> at any age. So so in terms of, you, you say about the, it's quite common at the moment to have multiple looks do you find that there and you say that sort of the bridal industry is a much sort of muted version of the fashion industry mainstream fashion industry do you find that there are trends as much in bridal as there would be in mainstream yeah but they take ages to come through because they're only they? making one or two collections a year if someone's asking for stuff now for example, at the moment, don't know where it's come from. Loads of people are asking for capes. Yes, I see capes everywhere. We don't have any capes. We have some caped dresses. But we don't have any separate capes. But when we tell our designers this, realistically, the collection that they're going to add this into is going to be released in 
April or October 2024, which means then it takes five to six months for our samples to be made, which means someone getting married in 2025 can wear a cape. <laughs> mm. And they'll be over bloody capes by 2025. They'll want a flamingo yeah. on the head. Yeah. So what designers have to be good about is much like in fashion is trying to predict what's going to be popular a year in advance. But I don't think they have the resources that fashion designers do. You know, in fashion and the fashion industry, there are are literal companies that predict trends. Mm. They're like the Pantone color of the year. They're like, lilac is going to be amazing Mm. for whatever, SS 2024. Bridal designers don't have any of that information. Um, So they really have to be the tastemakers and to set the trends. So would you say then, instead of the trends sort of over the whole industry it's more each bridal designer has a certain trend do you know what I mean like a certain look I feel like there's some designers that you would go to for structure modern minimalist and there's others if you want floaty or boho so rather than change the trends of the collection it's more okay what do I what am I looking for and then let's go to that designer yeah all of our designers I would say you can look at and tell who they are and you can look at a dress and say, oh, you know, that's Anne for Love or, oh, that's Lola Varma because they have a very strong design signature and that is what brides go to them for. And mm. when they're looking for a dress, they're like, oh, I want that kind of, you know, relaxed Australian style or I want that kind of like coarse to draped look that Cash- Catherine Tash has. So, yeah, the I think the most successful designers really stick to their guns when it comes to mm. developing and owning their own style and they don't really deviate from that they just develop it how do you go about choosing your designers um it's very hard it well like I said it first started on Instagram and finding designers that I was like oh my god I actually love this um I would wear this if I was getting married and mm. a consideration for me back then and still is these days but certainly back then was like part of establishing myself in the bridal market and making sure that there would be a customer base finding us from day one was bringing designers to the UK that didn't have any distribution here so you could only get them at the full bride and now when we pick designers it's really important that they don't look like anything else we have um like so they have to they have to have a very strong identity um the production has to be amazing Mm. um and the fit and the fabrics have to be perfect there's so many elements they have to balance um and you know there's a lot of stuff out there like you can Mm. forever like a lot of brides mentioned it gets quite overwhelming there's so many brands you could just go do you travel all over to find your um there's like bridal fashion week happens in new york and in barcelona in april and october so i'm going out Mm. to new york in a few weeks to see the new collections oh that is just a job i don't yeah how long are you going for a week um it's just yeah it's a hard life isn't it it is a hard life i every time i see the one in barcelona i'm like because I, I used to live in Barcelona for a bit. Love. And I always think, oh, I just, that could be easy. Like, that's doable. I could pop over to Barcelona. I just want to be around it all. So easy to pop over. It's like, you know, 50 pounds on EasyJet. Go yeah. and have the sun and the tapas and the beach. And then go and look at some oh, How exciting. So you've got, and I suppose you've got Instagram and you've got 
the internet and word of mouth and people like that. Do you follow a lot of other, but then if you're following other wedding dress shops, boutiques and salons, then you're not going to, you're going to find what they've got rather than what you want, aren't you? Yeah, I think now we're in a very fortunate position where people come to you, don't they? People come to us, but also I am always keeping an eye on what's out there. Um, There are a lot of, because the wedding industry is, I think, I don't know, 90% made up of small independent businesses, you know, whether you're a supplier, Mm. a wedding supplier, or whether you're like a dress designer. So there are a lot of smaller designers that can't afford the many, many, many thousands of pounds that it costs to go to Bridal Fashion Week and to have Mm. a stand there. Um, So a lot of designers I have historically just bought from like Zoom, um, you know, and there wasn't Bridal Fashion Week when I started and during the pandemic. So yeah. So how did you do that then? Just on, yeah, on Zoom and hope that the fabric and the color was accurate and nice when it arrived in person that massive risk but there was no other well, it's like shopping on ebay yeah it was it was yeah and then it's like okay i've just got to give them thousands and thousands of pounds for all these samples i hope they're nice <laughs> Jeez, louise that's so stressful you must be very calm under pressure yeah i'm pretty good with uh, pressure and stress um yeah very resilient <laughs> It's very impressive. So you've had the, is it open all week? Is it open only on the weekends? We're open Tuesday to Sunday. Um, Monday is my admin day where I get a bit of peace and quiet. And well, when do you have a day off, babe? Take what? a day off. I don't work. Saturdays. Uh, I mm. used to. For the no, first. you go to New York. You flit off to fashion shows. I'll work seven days a week when I'm in New York. Such a challenge. Yeah. But yeah, for the first, yeah, two and a half years I definitely worked seven days a week um but now I have like a full-time operations assistant store manager and then the rest of the girls as well who do the appointments so I I kind of get weekends off which is nice and sometimes Mm. I can take a half day during the week but you know what it's like when you run your own business or when you work for yourself like you never have a day off you never have a day off you're always checking emails Mm. I try to turn my notifications off but no you don't is it by appointment only yeah by appointment only um so you can't just like walk in and have a brand and do people have to pay for appointments they do have to pay for appointments yeah that was something else I tried to change at the start I was like yeah talk me through that because people do do that pay for appointments like that doesn't make any sense to me um and then I tried to offer free appointments and then people would just book and not only not show up and not tell you that they're not going to show up Mm. it comes to the cost of having a physical premises is so already so high but extra high in London but now after the cost of living has gone up it's yeah like our costs have increased like 10 to 30 percent and sometimes at night um depending on what's happening in the economy so yeah people would just no show and also not tell us and I was like okay I see why people charge Mm. appointments now because at least they'll tell you so that they can get their money back. And then you How can... much do you charge for an appointment? £30 for a weekday appointment or 45 for a weekend. And for that money, would I get a free glass of fizz? I've got 100%, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Why don't people do that anymore? No, yeah, I think... I, do you know what? I think, I think it might be a cost thing. I don't know, maybe stores don't want to spend the money on it, but it's something that to me is so essential 
when you're creating a physical and spatial experience mm. I think it's something that's also quite expected in bridal shopping so yeah we absolutely do that we do Oh God, you can have a mimosa, you can have an organic white wine, you can have Prosecco, yeah. See this, but to me, I just think I used to work at a venue and as soon as people walk through the door, I say, would you like a tea or a coffee or a water or a fizz? Or it, it's just, and you know, we were on holiday in Spain recently and they give you a shot of something at the end of the meal that's complimentary. Fantastic. I know. And it costs them so little, but it yeah. makes an impression. And to me, if... I love a freebie. Like the only reason I ever went to wedding fairs was to eat some free food. Yeah. I mean, of course it, it costs the business money, but the customer's paying for an appointment. And if that is such an easy thing for us to do to make exactly. the experience, what, hundred percent better. Um, why wouldn't we do that? So I walk in and do you, are you going to make me put gloves on? Oh God, no. Yeah. So we don't have any, we don't have any of that faff either. Um, Cause that's the thing. There's a salon I know. Hard. So this is the mm. thing is I still haven't been to other bridal stores. Um, oh, you need to go to this one. Well, no, I've been to one with a friend, but yeah. So another thing for me was kind of like, why is it so um, intimidating? Why is it so mm. intimidating? Like, we want these customers to spend their money with us. You know, we, we want these people to be our brides. We want them to find their dress here. But that's not how a lot of people think. A lot of bridal store owners think you should be lucky to wear our dresses. Yeah, which is just bullshit, quite frankly. Like, mm. it's, it shouldn't be us and them. It's them and we are like the facilitator between the designer and the bride. Um yeah, like we don't make people put in gloves. Of course, we want the samples to stay clean. But like the fact of the matter is when you try them on and you walk around on the floor, like they're going to get a little bit dirty anyway. So do you have to clean them? Yeah, I spend thousands and thousands of pounds in dry cleaning every year. But do you just yeah, on the sample dresses? Just on the samples, like we leave them as long as they reasonably can be. But mm. you're going to have to clean them anyway, because like, I don't know, at some point someone will get a really bad mark on it or... Maybe there's a touch of BO that we would like to clean up. So um, that happens regardless of whether you give someone gloves, right? So why would I make them feel like they're dirty? Less- <laughs> yeah, why would I make them feel like they've got they're dirty people and have to wear gloves to touch our special special dresses? Like, have you ever had anyone like properly like spill a coffee on it or red lipstick or eat no, a curry? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Well, there's no food in the show, but yeah, there have been some, there's never been any major marks. There's definitely been some marks before. I'm like, what is that? Like, Yeah, classic. If I see, I'm a mother. So if I see a mark on something, I don't know what it is. I will lick it. <laughs> this is, That's, it's just not a risk I'm willing to take, unfortunately. Well, this is it. Do you know what I admitted to my mother-in-law the other day is because I, that's what I do. I just, if I eat, I eat it. And if it's not pleasant, then I'm aware it's not in fact chocolate, but see. shit. Oh my god! One of my favorite like naughty's girlfriend movies is called The Sweetest Thing. With- oh yeah! Oh, brilliant film. Strings that I won't say what it is on the podcast, but um. Oh, you can you can say anything on this. Cummy dress to the. Drive- oh, I can't believe you said cummy on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean that's the only way. Cinematic scenes of all time. It is the only way. I used to, my husband doesn't put his dirty clothes in the laundry basket, obviously, because he's an inept man. And so I, I used to just pick up his pants and sniff. 
<laughs> What's in this one today? I know. But then I got, you know, I'd sniff it and realise, shit, that's dirty. So, I'll, so now I just assume yeah, they're all dirty. Too many, and then you're like, okay, note to self, no more sniffing. Oh my God, I know. Well, that's it. Do you know what? That is something I never considered is the dry cleaning bill for a, a bridal boutique. Ooh. Never thought about that. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. mental. We give the dry cleaners so much business. They give you chocolates at Christmas. Christmas. The last year, the amount of gifts they gave me, I was like, okay. This is too much. <laughs> I know I'm spending too much on the dry cleaners when they're giving me like vouchers for like this restaurant and a massive like magnum of champagne and a huge like chocolate box and another voucher for something else. And well, you like, put their child through university. <laughs> So of course they're going to thank you. <laughs> That's dry cleaner going. How funny! Do you so when you say you wait till they get too dirty and then you clean them? How long will one style of dress be on the shop floor for? Oh, they can be there for months. It depends how often they're tried or like what people do to them. And we have to spend a lot of money and time repairing things too. Like, you know, someone put their heel through the side of a dress the other day, and it's like it's not something you can charge back to a customer. Um, so. Yeah, these, I would. These... I'd, I'd make them wear white gloves and those things over your shoes you get at airports. <laughs> That's what I do. Then one of those like inflatable bubbles around them. Yeah, and... I just like face wipe their face yeah. the second they walk in. Maybe what we'll start doing is like not letting them try anything and they can just stand in front of a mirror. We could just maybe AI is going to let us like super. Mm. So I come in and I say, Hi, my name's Olivia Coleman because <laughs> I'm shy. Right, man. I've come here for an appointment um, and no one else can be there while it's my appointment, obviously. Well, we have two appointment areas, but they're still quite private. You know, they're all, they are, our room is a little bit convertible, so they can all be like curtained off. So Clever. you sort of see through, but you can't. So it's still very nice and enclosed and private. Um, but and yeah, how many people am I allowed to bring with me? Maximum three. Um, we always, always, always get requests for more than that, but we physically don't have the space to seat more than that in each point. That's room. a really good way of saying I do not want more than four opinions in my shop. That too, because it actually becomes, I have, yeah, appointments can, I've seen appointments become unmanageable or too overwhelming for the bride. Mm. Or, you know, there's always like the friend of the family member that's like, babe, 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 just, just try this one on for me. I know it's not your style. I know it's not your style, but just please try it on. It's like, okay, trying on one dress takes I don't know five to ten minutes and she could have actually tried on something that she might have loved and maybe might have bought so mm. it's just confusing as well to keep trying on white dresses that you don't like do you so, so specific do you have you ever had a groom yeah we've definitely had grooms in before it's not that common weird um but it's quite sweet sometimes sometimes they have no opinions and they're like whatever you want babe um and other oh, that's the dream yeah i know yeah it's like please arrive be quiet and give me your credit card yeah um and that's marriage and that is yeah and that's called compromise mm. but yeah we've had some that are like super into it and you know brides are like well i spent all my time with him and he no, we live together you know he knows me better than my friends so why wouldn't we do this together you know i'm going to all his suit fittings i can't think of anything worse <laughs> i honestly In I wouldn't be able to do it, but love that for them. No, I couldn't think of anything. My sister-in-law is was a fashion designer. She designed her own dress. And when she said yes. to my brother, like, she said to him, like, 
like you say, they know you. So she was like, you know, what kind of thing do you like me wearing? And uh, and he was like, just I just want your ass to look good. Because that. Uh, I think so. And like when I say to my husband something about what you know, what do you like? I just like your hair um, straight and down. Oh, thanks, babe. That is of course you do. Notice all the effort I've been making with my different hairstyles and outfits recently. No, I can't think of anything worse. Yeah, or like there's um, been quite a big puffy sleeve trend over the past. Yes, there has, isn't there? Straight men do not understand that. Like they simply. comprehend straight men don't understand fashion or trends they just want you to look skimpy and and slim and sexy and show off your curves yeah yeah very boring my favorite couples that shop together are the lesbian couples it is Mm. so nice to be able to dress both people in the couple and they often help each other choose their outfits and make sure that they coordinate alongside each other that's so oh my god that's so nice I would love that so nice so we've had yeah couples shop together and then we've had other couples where they're not shopping together but their maid of honor is the same person so they'll come with the first bride choose their dress and then we hide it for the second bride so they can't choose the same one so you know like one dress is like oh clever we just don't have it for some reason on the website but it's not here um yeah and then the maid of honor or the friend or whoever it is between them will be like working with our stylist to like because yeah 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 us to know what the first see i do something similar when my couples write their own vows Mm. so i say to them write your own vows without them knowing what's happening with the other one exactly send them to me because we don't want one person being all romantic and one person taking the piss do you so one person's written a poem the other one got chat gpt to write their verse i know can you imagine i I mean it it has i have not had something too dissimilar from that i'm gonna say surely you're about to get the round like chat gpt battles oh probably yeah i if i've not had it already Thank you so much for listening. It really does mean the world. If you find this podcast even remotely helpful or moderately entertaining, share with all your friends and family. You can DM me any questions, queries, if you want to share any stories on the podcast Instagram at I'll Marry You Podcast. Get in touch. I want to hear all your tall tales. See you soon. I'll Marry You is a podcast by Olivia Coleman. The music is Mr. Sunnyface by Wayne Jones and the show is produced and edited by Drew Toynbee.